Welcome back to Campus Connections. I am your host, Ashley Tem, and this show is by and for people who are in the education field. Today's guest is Susan Presto, who currently serves as the Assistant Director for Residential Education at Dartmouth College. Previously, she has served as a hall director at Iowa State University for seven years and a residence coordinator at University of Central Arkansas, where she received her master's degree in college student personnel services and administration. Her career in student affairs started at the University of Iowa, where she was a resident assistant. Susan is a fat activist, a huge Brene Brown fan, and loves to nap with her two cats, Winston and Eleanor. Here is Susan. Thank you so much for having me. So um, I usually hear pronouns to start off with, and I am in the, the field of student affairs, specifically residential life. I have uh, probably considered myself you know, a res lifer uh, at this point, having been at basically residence life since my junior year of college. Uh, I you know, started as an RA at the University of Iowa and you know, in my senior year, it's like, I don't want to go into publishing. I don't want to go into the like big, scary world. I really want to continue doing what I am doing and really making connections with people and helping, helping students. And so that led me to uh, go into my master's program at the University of Central Arkansas, where I got my degree in higher education, uh, more specifically student college personnel services and administration, but that's a huge mouthful. So we usually just call it the CSPA program. Uh, And, you know, I really just loved the work that I was doing. I spent uh, the next seven years at Iowa State University as a whole director uh, and truly loved that experience, but really wanted something different. And I'm a huge traveler. I love experiencing things that are new, different cultures, regions. And so I found myself on the East Coast for the first time at a private Ivy League small college, Dartmouth College, uh, where I am an assistant director for residential education. But, you know, through that time, I I have truly learned the differences that student affairs can have an impact in the different sectors that you can go into. And so I've been able to really explore different areas of passion uh, for myself, which includes, you know, uh, the topics that we're going to be talking today of vulnerability, leadership, and uh, fat phobia, sizeism. So uh, that's really how my journey, how I got here. I'm originally from the Midwest and, you know, love, love being from Chicago, but I am like, especially with COVID and so looking forward to doing more traveling and seeing, you know, new places as soon as, it, you know, it's safe to do so. But that's a little bit kind of about me and, and my journey. And that's awesome. Well, that's, that's great. So you mentioned that you are passionate about topics such as um, vulnerability. So please share mm-hmm. with us a little bit more about fat phobia and just vulnerability and, you know, just learning to love our bodies. Absolutely. So fat phobia is, you know, if you break down the word itself, it is like fear of fat. Fear of gaining um, fat, gaining weight. Uh, but it also can be just fear of fat people. Um, you know, fat is such a taboo word. I mean, even growing up, like I, you know, fat was a bad word. You didn't want to eat foods that had fat. You didn't want to 
gain fat, you you wanted to stay thin. And I think that's the mentality that a lot of us have had growing up. And, you know, I think there's, there's several uh, movements within breaking down fat phobia. You know, there's focusing on reclaiming the word fat and having it be part of your identity and then being empowering as you know, really trying to take away the the stigma of what fat is. There's also like body acceptance uh, movement. There's body positivity, body neutrality, these movements that are trying to break away the stereotypes or, you know, the expectations that are so ingrained within our society of how an individual should look and what is considered healthy and and moving it to a more positive influence of your body, going back to your body as a temple, your body does so much for you. No matter what it looks like, it should be honored. It should be expressed. But even with that mentality, we still have the diet industry. We still have all these other influences that are constantly attacking our senses of what you should look like and what is healthy. We're just so obsessed with with weight. We're so obsessed with diet. And it's something that I am really passionate about. And I finally have been able to speak about since, since college because I had an eating disorder for five years of my life where it took away so much of me and my just my my health, my body, my mind, uh, my friendships, relationships, you know, it impacted so much of my life. And when I look back at, at pictures where I thought that I was fat, that I was like, wow, I really wasn't I you know I was you know a size six and still like I was still getting the messaging that because my body didn't look a certain way that this is what I needed to do to feel better to feel accepted and it was something that I could control and so a lot of folks especially young women growing up this is something we're constantly being told constantly seeing and we develop extreme body dysmorphia or we develop eating disorders or we develop unhealthy relationships with food or exercise and instead like how great would it have been if we just celebrated our bodies and celebrated that our bodies looked different I think, you know, that's something that I wish I had more of an influence that way uh, when I was growing up, just like a lot of these amazing individuals are doing now with this work, moving against uh, that phobia and moving towards body acceptance, moving towards radical self-love. It's so important. Yes. And thank you so much for sharing that um, with us. I know sharing your personal trials and challenges is never easy. So thank you so much for sharing that and just helping us relate because I can only imagine that our listeners and someone maybe have having gone or going through currently the same feelings that you have experienced that I know I have experienced as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I would love if you, if you have any examples of how this is presented in our workplaces. Absolutely. You always think, okay, New Year's and New Year's resolutions. And, you know, there's always like advertisements, advertisements of like a new you, like advertising, you know, 
eat this and eat that, like even within our own dining halls, right? You see more students move towards, okay, like the salad line um, without actually educating themselves of what their body actually needs. And, you know, I think one of the things that is highly un, like not utilized as much on a college campus or maybe even college campuses don't even have are like dietitians within the wellness center. That is not telling you like, oh yes, you should eat this pyramid, but also really listening to students of what, what their lifestyle is and what foods work for them. And, you know, in the medical field too, this is where we see a lot of fat phobia of, you know, people who are are fat, that they are, you know, lazy, they're not eating the right foods. And that's absolutely not true. A lot of times someone will go into the doctor's office with with problems, you know, whatever that might be, digestive problems um, or, or chronic pain. And one of the suggestions that always happens is, well, you could lose some weight. You know, if you lose weight, this will be better. Rather than looking at what is actually happening, they are quick to make assumptions. You know, we still use BMI, which for those who don't know, the BMI was created in like the 1800s. That was not even made from a doctor, but a mathematician. And it was used to focus primarily on white men from France and Scotland. So, and it doesn't take in consideration of women or hasn't been changed in over the, you know, 200 some years since it was made, but we still utilize it. So when a student is going to maybe a doctor on campus, you know, they're being weighed, they're, they're looking at their BMI. And through that, students are saying that they're being told, you know, they need to lose weight they need to start doing this rather than really looking at the problem and the symptoms that the student is experiencing. You know, so we see it that way. We see the, oh gosh, the freshman 15, the sophomore 20, you know, the things that we perpetuate rather than talking about like self-love and focusing on really becoming your own person in college, which I think is something that a lot of our students do. We're focusing on, you know, well, we have to make sure we don't lose the, the or we don't gain the 15, freshman 15. We don't gain this in sophomore 20. We hear that. We see that with our students but we don't really do anything about it. We just like kind of laugh it off of like, oh, you know, that's just the rite of passage. Of, you, know, you know, you're going to gain weight. But that also, again, leads to dangerous behavior of students not eating, students, you know, over-exercising and not doing things that really promote a healthy lifestyle, but really a dangerous path towards an eating disorder or any sort of eating disorder. You know, there's so many different kinds. And so it's something that, you know, I remember going into a student's room and seeing post-it notes all over the room of drink more water, eat more vegetables. And it's like, okay, like, great. Those are, those are good reminders. But what was problematic was that they were next to pictures of actresses mm -hmm. and models. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that just broke my heart and it made me realize like, this is someone that has been so influenced by, you know, our society, by, by Hollywood, by models. And it's, it's all smoke and mirrors, you know, they don't really look like that in real life, but we have, that has always been the idea that's what we should strive for. And it's just, it's so dangerous. And there, I don't think we do enough on, 
on college campuses to really support those students and to really talk about, you know, eating disorders. And I think that's where vulnerability comes in is as leaders, we need to be vulnerable and we need to have these difficult conversations and promote, you know, what truly is beautiful, which is, you know, self-care and self-love at all sizes, you know, no matter what your identities are, we really need to focus more on having those conversations. And that's why I'm so open about my own experience with eating disorders, because I know that vulnerability has helped my students, has helped my student staff members in the past of knowing that it's okay to have you know, have had an eating disorder. Like that is part of my experience. That is part of my own identity now. And I want to share that so that other people feel the courage to to share their own experience as well and have discussions because that's something that's so important is the more we talk about it, the more things can be done and the more we can normalize these issues so that people aren't hiding them. Yes, that is great. And just creating a safe space for individuals to address their feelings and to also allow others to share what worked for them. Um, For example, I suffer from hypothyroidism and so that is attached with like Hashimoto's. And so for me, it's really hard for me to lose weight. I can eat really healthy. I can do the walking, you know, I'm not a runner personally, but I do walk. And for me, it's like I can smell bread and I'm already gaining five pounds. And, and, you know, for me, it's not that I'm not living a healthy lifestyle. And so I'm always tracking what I'm eating and I'm, you know, I do fairly well. I drink my water and I exercise, but I'm a curvier woman, but I know that I am healthy. And mm-hmm. so to really just promote that, I, it's sad when sometimes other individuals, they already have a prejudgment when they see a curvier mm-hmm. woman, like that we aren't taking care of ourselves or, or men, right? Because this isn't, this isn't just targeted towards women. This is for, for all genders um, and all shapes Absolutely. and sizes. And so, you know, sometimes that isn't the case that we aren't being unhealthy, that we are, but there are underlying issues. And so that can be a negative impact on on the individuals like mental health like but I'm doing everything mm-hmm. right and still like I'm getting called this word or I'm treated this way mm-hmm. or they're seeing me this way and and I think we should do better in our programming or just what we share on media to be like hey this is my body and here's like our community and I'm still healthy and I'm still rocking it and I can still wear the outfits that maybe a double zero can wear and on the other side we have individuals that are like I eat so much and I just can't gain weight because my metabolism Mm -hmm. is so fast and and it's sometimes it's the grass is always greener on the other side right Mm -hmm. I've met women and men alike that are like I am trying to gain weight and to put on the muscle and I just can't Mm. so I just feel like no matter where we're at we're just never necessarily happy and that's what makes Mm -hmm. me sad is that we should learn to just love ourselves and love each other and not put so much pressure on our bodies because that is such a small part of who we are as humans 
Absolutely. Uh, and thank you for, for sharing. I also, I recently was diagnosed with Hashimoto. So I feel everything that you were just saying, <laughs> especially, you know, the, you know, I, I have gone to the gym and I exercise and, um, you know, I, I eat relatively healthy and still it's, it is hard to lose weight. And, and then I think it's like, you have to ask yourself, why am I so interested in losing weight? Why is that? Is it because you know, I want to feel better. Even then it's like, okay, well, if I lose the weight, will I still feel better? Or will I still be focusing on the weight? And it, it's such, it's such a hard journey because again, we want to feel good. We want to feel healthy. We want to look our best, but then it's like, what, what is the best? Because I was this small little thing and was not happy. And so it's really about, I think, moving toward not even bothering on what you are, what you weigh or what size you are, but like, are you happy with yourself? Are you comfortable in your skin? And if you're not figuring out why and understanding that the scale should not be something that you constantly go to, to for reassurance that you are on the right path. One of the things that really got me into this work was uh, Jamila Jamil Iway, uh, her platform Iway, which is is talking about just that of the scale is not determine your worth, and what they do is instead they ask people what you weigh as your contribution to society and the people that you're connected to. So if I were to answer what I weigh, I would weigh my my devotion to my family. I weigh, you know, my eating disorder and overcoming that. I weigh being a cat mom and uh, and so many other things. And that's what I weigh. I don't weigh this number. I weigh so much more. And I think that's really important for people to to focus on is is not trying to get into a certain size or trying to reach a goal weight necessarily, but to focus on your worth and knowing that any of those numbers do not equal your worth, do not determine where you are, how or where you are worthy. Very well said. And I would love to hear your thoughts and maybe your your advice or things that you've seen on either campus or just organizations that you've been a part of. What has worked to create this safer environment, this different, destigmatizing these words? Yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot that we can do. I think, again, it's being vulnerable and having these conversations and understanding where, where some of our fears around fat stem from. For example, I was talking with one of my, my friends and she was doing a cleanse and I was like, oh, why are you doing this cleanse? Like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, what, is, what is your goal? And she's like, well, I really want to get rid of these stretch marks. And I said, well, what's wrong with your stretch marks? And she's like, well, they're ugly. And I said, and where did you get that, that they were ugly? Did you, is that something that you truly believe or is that something that you have been told are ugly? And she's like, oh yeah, that's right. And I was like, exactly. Like just being able to have those conversations, I'm not attacking you for doing this cleanse, but I really want to get to know the, why are you doing this and figuring out what is influencing you. And if that influence is a great thing of, you know, I just really want to feel more comfortable. Great. Do that. If it's because society has told you that love handles or, or stretch marks are ugly, then that is the issue. And we need to break that down more. When we're talking about 
inclusivity, when we're talking about diversity, when we're talking about access on college campus, we need to bring up sizeism. We need to know that this is a, is a huge topic of, you know, when you are going into a classroom and the seats have been made for a standardized body type or shape, that is an issue. Um, you know, and it's an issue that people who are fat, people who are bigger have to deal with, of feeling comfortable even sitting in a classroom, especially if you've got one of those chairs that with the, the lap uh, desk falls down. I mean, these are not built for bigger people. And then once we realize that, we can maybe do something about that and talking to our facilities, our administrators that you know, when we're talking about creating safe spaces where people can learn, but you are so uncomfortable sitting in this seat that was not designed for you, that is an issue. And there's amazing fat activists out there. Um, one of my favorite is Sonia Renee Taylor. She has this beautiful book called The Body Is Not An Apology, The Power of Radical Self-Love. Uh, we've got Nicole Byer, a hilarious woman, um, who has this book uh, that is called Hashtag Very Fat, Hashtag Very Brave. And it's her in every uh, page in a different bikini and, and bathing suit because, you know, we consider women who are fat or bigger, however they want to identify putting on a swimsuit and be like, oh, wow, you're so brave. And it's like, why are you brave for putting on a swimsuit? Everyone puts on a swimsuit at some point. Like, that's not brave. That's just being their authentic selves and, you know, showing up as they are. And then again, we have Ai Wei with Jamila Jamil, who does a lot of work. It's a it's a movement. It's a, a series on YouTube, uh, but it's also a, a podcast uh, talk, bringing in all sorts of guests to talk about shame. Uh, they don't just talk about, you know, body neutrality and, and image, but they talk, they get into everything. And that's really educational. And then finally, I think the originator of this movement in some ways is she is known as her handle is your fat friend. But she is someone who is constantly writing and bringing things up on social media. And it's just hilarious. Uh, but her name is Aubrey Gordon. And she is actually just came out as talking about the word fat phobia and that she would prefer to use anti-fatness or anti-fat bias as when we think of phobias, we think, you know, it, it is a mental um, disorder in some ways uh, when we think of phobias, whereas being a jerk uh, is not necessarily a mental issue. Uh, you are, you know, hating someone because they're fat is not a mental problem. It's a, that person's problem. And so right. she's moving towards that movement as well. So there's so many great people out there um, who are really doing the work. And yeah, I just look up to them so much. So I think that's definitely things that people can go and, and explore that and promote them. But also take a look at different types of programs you're doing and the spaces that are on your campus. And are they really accessible for, for bigger people? Yes, that is something that I 
fall victim to that I have never paid attention to. Um, the size of our desks, the size of just areas on our campus. All these resources today that you've shared is fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm actually going to be linking all of that in the show notes as well. Oh, perfect. For people to, to see. I think you've done a really amazing job so far on explaining what this is, how it's impacted individuals and their mental health, and also to just how it makes others feel. For example, like how you mentioned sitting in a desk at school, you know, we're already so self-conscious. The last mm-hmm. thing we need is for someone to maybe be looking at us because we're clearly not fitting in a desk, right? And we're just trying to focus on the lecture being delivered. Yet um, people tend to look, right? That's human nature. But one, we shouldn't be rude. Two, <laughs> we should be accommodating. And we should have we should have all the things that we need to service and support students or workplace like even for like desks and cubicles you know I've seen cubicles that I'm like oh that is one small cubicle you're supposed to be there from eight to five uh, you know and so that just goes across the board just always making sure that it's not a one-size-fits-all I know that might be easier on the architects but unfortunately we are all not a one-size-fits-all and I think that's what makes us all beautiful absolutely and I would say you know it's a journey. Like you're not going to love yourself every single day, but I think if you can just wake up and appreciate and be kind to yourself, whatever that might look like, however you might do that, that's really important. And just knowing that like your body is getting through this, you know, your, but your body is taking you places and we should treat it with, with kindness, no matter, you know, how you, you look, how you identify it's really about that self-love and you know even if you can't self-love everything about you find things that you know do boost your confidence and i think another thing that we we normalize is this idea of weight gain and weight loss and celebrating weight loss and fearing weight gain or like being hard on ourselves for weight gain and it's like, why, you know, why are we doing this? And, you know, not saying like, oh, if someone posts that they lost, you know, this weight and they feel great that you shouldn't be like, oh, we're like great work, like proud of you. But also understand too, like, well, if they didn't lose weight, are you still not proud of them? <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's a slippery slope and it's a really thin line. And I think it's just, again, what I like about body neutrality is taking away the focus on your body and what exactly, like, you know, how big or small it is. And really just, you know, your body is a vessel that is carrying you through life. Just be kind to it. And if it changes, it changes. And that's okay. And it's about you know, being kind to yourself just because you are a fat person does not mean that you are not awesome or that you're not healthy. You're not look at Lizzo who like goes on marathons on stage, just like singing and dancing and doing all this stuff. And like, she's a fat woman, like, and you know, she doesn't need to, you know, lose weight or gain weight or anything. Like she's beautiful how she is and she's athletic she's healthy we can't be making assumptions about people because of their sizes um i think you mentioned that earlier today 
to uh, folks who are struggling to to lose weight or to gain weight. There's we don't know by looking at someone if they're healthy or not, and that's private. Like they're just a person, and we need to focus on the fact that they are a person and not what they look like. Very much so agreed. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insight on this and helping our listeners get a unique view on this, you know, and understanding and learning more about this topic. I think this is one that is still so relevant in our society Mm -hmm. because it still hasn't changed, right? I know our society has been talking about like everybody is beautiful and self-love. What is missing for people to to really just get it and understand Mm -hmm. that we're all different and we're all going to be great and we all are working on our health. Right. And if we're not, then that's a personal choice. Okay. Hey, but (laughs) you know, who are we to judge if they are not? Right. Yeah. And you know, I think it also is really important to start having those conversations uh, with younger generations too, who are so attached to, you know, the internet, social media and see so much. um, And there's such an even more vulnerable age where this really can impact them. Um, So I think it's, you know, the language that we use around ourselves, but also others, Uh, you know, I have five nieces. And so I'm constantly like, telling my sisters, I need you not to complain about how you look in front of my nieces, because that is where we, we learn some of these behaviors is when we're younger and you know, that they can't be thinking that they're, they're fat when their bodies are still changing and like, they don't even know what they're going to look like in, in, you know, five years. And that's where we see a lot of eating disorders come at an earlier age is because of the influences, not only from society, but within their own homes and families and friends that are impacting these impressionable youth. So I think, you know, really it, it needs to continuously happen on all levels with all people of just not focusing on, on your body and focusing on your building your character, building, you know, you know, hobbies, things that actually matter to you and matter to the world. So, but thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate being able to, to talk about a topic that I'm so passionate about. Um, and hopefully, hopefully people get something out of it. And hopefully people are able to, to, you know, investigate some of these sources that I've uh, referenced and continue raising up their voices as well. If you're interested in checking out any of the resources that Susan said today, feel free to head over to our show notes where I've linked them all there. And if you enjoyed this show, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. Until next time.